Welcome to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, your guide to good food, good health, and a good life. And now, here's your host, Nutrition Network Advisor and author of the Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast. It is Tuesday. It is Transformation Tuesday, where I aim to give you a little tidbit of health advice, health and nutrition advice to elevate your health. It's a tidbit. It's not a full three-course meal. It's an appetizer. So last week, we talked about why losing body fat is not about moving more and eating less. It ain't that simple. And also how the big food, big diet, big exercise vortex that gives us all this advice is really, it's unsustainable. Furthermore, it's not pleasurable. And it tends to turn to to yo-yo dieting. You know, yo-yo dieting is when you, you lose five, you keep it off for a bit, you go back to what you were doing, you gain seven. When we do this, we end up getting a heavier yo-yo every single time. And it's because when you lose weight, sure, we're all aiming to lose body fat if we want to lose weight, but it's inevitable that you're going to lose some muscle. We do want to try to prevent that with making sure that we're getting enough protein if we're trying to achieve fat loss. But... Every time you regain the weight, you ain't regaining muscle unless you're living in the gym um, or working out very heavily, you're regaining fat. And so you're actually transforming your body composition for the worse. So you might as well have just not done the darn thing in the first place. I always like to say that diet rhymes with riot, okay? That should give you a clue. (laughs) They're no bueno, okay? It's not a way to maintain or enhance vitality. And isn't that what this is all about, y'all? Vitality, pleasure, living a good life. When I was, I mentioned this last week, when I was a teenager and in my low 20s and was dealing with eating disorders, I grew up in the whole low-fat, no-fat world. Um, I was terrified of dietary fat. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, primarily. Dietary fat. You know, you, you need your low-fat cottage cheese. I can't eat cottage cheese anymore after the cottage cheese diet. That was a disaster. Talk about a riot. Um, just so nutrient deficient at this age. Um, and I healed myself in the kitchen and at the table. But that kid, that that younger me, 25 years younger now plus, I was terrified of the table because it meant that there was going to be food there and I was told I had to eat it. Um, But now the table is my happy place and I hope that the table can be your happy place if it's not yet. Um, Because when we're doing fast food and what I call with my clients fridge drive-bys, y'all moms especially, you know what I'm talking about, or like finishing your kids' plates, 
um, all this grazing and moving, you know, you're not connecting. It's pretty much mindless. I'm not saying never do that, but what I'm saying is we've got a weird relationship in this country with mealtimes. Ditto sitting there in front of the tube. Um, so we need, when we're nourishing ourselves, to think about the nutrient density of our foods. And many of us, even if we have some body fat to lose, are deficient in fat-soluble vitamins. I mean, for those of us who grew up in the low-fat, no-fat world, you know, <laughs> go figure. We were told to avoid all this stuff. Go to the grocery store and try to find full-fat yogurt. You gotta dig. It's on the bottom. All that flavored junk with all those chemicals, it's all low-fat. You don't wanna be eating that anyway. But it, it can be difficult to find full-fat foods, but we need them for proper metabolic functioning. Before I get into what is metabolic functioning, I don't want this to be like a biology or chemistry course here, but we do need to understand that because that's the key to harmonizing with your hormones. You want optimal metabolic functioning. But before I get into this, I've got to say something that just still, you know, I have to pinch myself. I say it to, to clients in my private practice all the time. And this was a professor of mine at the Nutrition Network, which is where I did my post-grad training. And I'm still learning, as we all are, every day, I hope. He said, we don't lose weight to get healthy. We get healthy, and then we lose weight. Whoa. We get healthy, and then we lose weight. That turned my whole world upside down. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. The first, <laughs> first draft of my book was basically like, oh, you got weight to lose? You're freaking lazy. <laughs> I wrote that draft before I actually gained some weight, uh, despite doing triathlon and counting calories and doing everything, quote, right, end quote. Um, but this, this turns that upside down. Um, it's the metabolic dysfunction, and again, I will define that, that is interfering with hormone signaling. You know, you got three really important hormones when it comes to um, eating. Ghrelin. Think of that as grr. You're hangry, maybe. I hope you're not hangry, but eat. Grr. Ghrelin says time to eat, yo. Stop what you're doing and nourish yourself. Leptin is the opposite of that. I think of leptin as lay off. You've had enough. The Japanese have an awesome um, saying, which of course I can't pronounce, but basically like leave when you're 80% full. That's the time to call it quits on the meal. That's great because we know that it takes time for um, the nutrients to continue to be absorbed and for our um, stomach to be full. So you also have insulin, which is produced after you eat to help bring your blood sugar down. And of course, how you eat, what you choose to eat, can have a profound effect on not only insulin, but all of these hormones. So, last week, I mentioned a UNC Chapel Hill study. This appeared in the Journal of Metabolic Syndrome and Related Disorders. Sounds like a good way <laughs> to get back to sleep if you're having trouble, unless you're me, which would love that. I love that journal. But they found, and this was pre-COVID, y'all, that nine in 10, if you wanna get exact, it's 88% of the 
of Americans have some form of metabolic dysfunction. Now, metabolic syndrome is when you have three or more of the next factors I'm going to list. But what does it mean to be metabolically healthy? Like, how do we define this, okay? Why are nine in 10 of us, nine in 10 Americans, rather, suffering from some form of metabolic dysfunction? Well, to understand that, we've got to do a deep dive into root cause, which ain't happening today, but over time. So let's get back to these criteria that the authors define for good, solid metabolic health. And it means without medication. So the first one is a normal glucose, fancy word for blood sugar. We want to see this under 100 fasting, so not eating for eight plus hours before that blood draw. We also want normal levels of triglycerides. They define it as under 150. I like to see my clients under 100. I'm real picky about triglycerides. Everyone likes to blame trigly uh, excuse me. Everyone likes to blame cholesterol. Triglycerides are the bad boys. It's, it's more complicated than this, but it's basically an indication of how much sugar my, uh, my patients are eating. So we also want to have a normal HDL. This is, quote, the good, end quote, cholesterol. More complicated than that, but we'll just move forward. We want to see the HDL above 40 in men, above 50 in women. Y'all know it. We always have to work harder for everything, right? I joke. Don't get all sensitive, dudes. We also want a normal blood pressure. So that's under 130 over 85. And their fifth criterion is waist circumference, okay? So we want under 40 inches in our dude population, and we want under 35 inches in our chica population. Now I have my own that I have added. I got number six for y'all. Fasting insulin. Most physicians, they would know what this is, but they don't know that it's a critically important thing to measure. It should just be standard on our blood work tells us a lot more than our A1C, which is a blood sugar. Remember we said glucose under 100 fasting. The A1C is essentially a three-month average. But averages, as we know from simple math, you can have lows, you can have highs, and it averages out. Fasting insulin shows you how insulin sensitive you are. We want to be insulin sensitive. The opposite of insulin sensitive is insulin resistant, and this is the precursor to type 2 diabetes. So because the fasting insulin is not often run, I, I want to say that on the last labs I had done that they were accepting under 20 as normal. <laughs> I'm calling BS on that one. Um, I'd like to see less than 8, if I'm being actually honest. Yeah, I want to see less than five. That's a really important number. And again, all of these are without medication. So you getting your blood pressure under 130 over 85, but pounding blood pressure medication, that's not going to qualify you as metabolically healthy. It's just a fact. I'm not trying to be a, a pain in the butt. Notice that one thing isn't on this list, and that's your scale or your body fat percentage. It's not to say that that's not important, but for those 
skinny minis out there who might be listening to this and go, well, I don't have any of this, I'm, I'm trim. Fit as a whistle, um, know that you might actually be tofi. Do not confuse this with tofu, ugh. Tofi, tofi is thin on the outside, fat on the inside. So you can have fat around your organs, you can have metabolic issues, uh, even if you, you know, are rocking it in a bikini or speedo. So metabolic syndrome is when you have three of those five criteria. Of course, I added the fasting insulin in on there. So if you're not passing this test, I have good news for you. I have awesome news. You have the keys to your metabolic health right at your fingertips. They are your hands. The hands that procure food, the hands that prepare real whole foods, and the hands that feed you those nourishing meals. The number one thing, numero uno, that you can do to improve and score better on this test is get your fats right. 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 Say it out loud. I'm going to get my fats right. Okay? It's that important. Another thing you can do is not to eat over your carbohydrate tolerance. This will be another episode. We're getting back to fat. Okay? We've got essentially three types of fat. Dietary fat. I'm talking about dietary fat here, not the thing you can pinch around your middle. The three types are saturated fat, monounsaturated fat, and polyunsaturated fat. Now, I'm not going down to nerd out some hydrocarbon explanation of how these differ because you know what? It doesn't freaking matter, honestly. You can look it up. <laughs> the thing to know is natural versus faux or false, okay? Natural fats are made in nature, okay? Butter, coconut oil, avocado oil, tallow, suet, the fats that you would find in those fatty fruits like coconut, avocado, olive, full fat yogurt fats, cheese, all that stuff. That's nature's natural, nourishing, awesome fat. Okay, so what are the faux fats, the false fats? Dr. Kate Shanahan, the author of Fat Burn Fix, we'll get back to that, calls these the hateful eight, and she is spot on. Ivor Cummins, the host of The Fat Emperor with his awesome Irish accent, calls them factory fats, and he is spot on as well. These are your vegetable and seed oils. Well, Dixie, when I picked those up, they had this nice little heart from the American Heart Association telling me that they're healthy. Bullshit. Sorry, they're not. That's a whole nother rabbit hole started by a big food company uh, that donated the funding for the American Heart Association. I'm not telling you to hate on your cardiologists or anybody for that matter. That's not what the nourishment mindset's all about. I am telling you to hate on these oils though. They shall be named canola, corn, cottonseed, three C's, sunflower, safflower, 
soybean, absolute worst of the worst, the three S's. Then we have grapeseed and rice bran oil. These are not found in nature. They are pseudo toxic foods. If you go on YouTube to check out how these are made, and I recommend it because it can help you be inspired to get them the freak out of your house and out of your diet. Just don't eat anything before you do because it's revolting, okay? These things are, you know, how do you, it's like I tell people that want to talk about almond milk. How do you milk an almond, okay? How do you press cottonseed and sunflowers to get oil? This is not easy. This is not the same as a little mush mush on the olive to make beautiful olive oil. This is hard work, and it's done in factories, hence Ivers Factory Fats uh, moniker. So not only are they having to work the heck out of these things that aren't meant to be oils in the first place, they have to bleach and deodorize them. If you go to YouTube and you watch that video, you're going to see why. They come out in these cakes and like black sludge. It is revolting. Do you want that in your body? Do you want to eat something that had to be deodorized and bleached? I don't think so. We already learned how we're not supposed to be uh, <laughs> drinking bleach a couple years ago. Um, your body, these are, to me, they're demons. They really are. There's no way to, to get around it. They create inflammation throughout the body. They interfere with your hormone signaling. Think about that for a minute. We're coming back. Remember ghrelin? Grr! Get something to eat. They interfere with your hormone signaling. This means that they interfere with your metabolic functioning. This is why the number one thing you can do is to get your, I bet you know what I'm going to say, fats right. You got to be in a love affair with the right highly nourishing, satiating, natural fats. When you do this, it's kind of fun because you're feeling like you've uh, kind of gotten away with something, right? Especially if you came in that no fat, low fat, uh, you grew up with that. It's not a dream. Go ahead and pinch yourself. It really works. Let's talk about some myths that are out there. This is from my book. So one myth, fat is bad for your health meaning dietary fat. Truth, fat is a critical part of a healthy diet. Myth number two, saturated fat is really bad. Truth, whole animal fats are super healthy and they promote insulin sensitivity. Furthermore, they don't interfere with your metabolic functioning. Myth, there is sound evidence for the diet heart hypothesis. The Emphasis on hypothesis. This is that saturated fat and cholesterol cause heart disease. Guess what? Rigorous clinical trials have never proven the diet heart hypothesis to be true. When I read this in Nina Teichel's book, I slammed it shut. I was like, my brain was on fire. I couldn't believe all this bad advice that I and everyone else has been given. Her book, Big Fat Surprise, Why Butter, Meat, and Cheese Belong in a Healthy Diet. This angel, this 
amazing researcher, this happens to be a lovely person, woman, spent 10 years looking at every study ever done. I can't even imagine what that office must have looked like. I'm so anally <laughs> cleaning up everything all the time. I couldn't have all that paper and all the computer files. Oh my goodness. But what she found shocked her. Turn this uh, very trim lady from a, she would say it, you know, kind of slightly pudgy vegetarian to a lean, mean journalist fat-fighting machine. Her TED Talk is awesome. Watch it, okay? Big fat surprise. Great book. It's a tome, though. It's an investment. Okay. So, back to our myths and our truths. USDA dietary guidelines create improved health. Oh my gosh, I want to just punch my computer reading that. Nina is involved in the Nutrition Coalition, which is trying to get these idiots uh, who are all basically purchased by Big Pharma to recognize a low-carbohydrate approach to treating all of this metabolic dysfunction, which has been proven, proven rather, in randomized controlled trials. One of those is the VERTA trial, where diabetes type 2 was reversed, okay? Reversed, the illness that supposedly you just get and we don't know why and sorry, you're just going to have to take these meds and deal with all these symptoms all over your body. No, it's reversible. These guidelines from our government powers that be mark the beginning of the obesity epidemic in America. Yep, thanks for that, big government. We love you. So what are the benefits of natural whole food, animal fats in particular? There are nutritional benefits, including better nutrient absorption. Remember me saying that many of us are nutrient deficient, vitamin and mineral, especially people who might have more diet, uh, body fat to lose. They're actually, they can be deficient. That's part of why their signaling is off. Their brain is trying to get these nutrients and creating an overeating situation, which those hateful eight oils uh, contribute to as well. So these fats enhance your taste of food and also the pleasure of dining, tableside pleasure. They increase your satiety. We don't need to be doing all this snacking. Low-fat food leads to lots of snacking, and we don't need that. We don't need the extra nutrients. And further, and maybe most importantly, animal fats raise your HDL, that quote, good, end quote, cholesterol. This is the only food known to do so. If Big Pharma could come out with an HDL-increasing drug, you bet everyone would be pushing it on every street corner. But they haven't been able to do so. So... Why all this controversy surrounding saturated fat? Well, that's a complex topic, but let's just know that nearly all nutrition research and analysis is based on epidemiological studies. Most of these are characterized by confounding variables, notoriously unreliable self-reported data, and conflicting findings. If I ask you, hey, yo, write down everything you ate in the last two weeks, how's that going to go? You know, and some of these surveys that they said, you know, how many times did you eat pizza in the last year? How many times did you eat broccoli? I don't know. Now, I, nutrition research is hard. It, it's, um, you can't necessarily lock people in a metabolic ward. 
Um, there are some studies where people have voluntarily done that. Um, but to get back to it, this controversy, you know, you've got corporate interests, big food, that's what I'm talking about, and you've got government bias, and these have played significant roles in establishing our guidelines. So, ain't no randomized controlled trial, there ain't no real data. So, get your dietary fats right, enjoy the natural ones. Okay. So, one thing you might hear when talking about the wrong kind of those faux toxic fats is the word PUFA. These are the polyunsaturated fats. So that's what that PUFA is, if you've ever heard of it. But I, I like to grin when I say PUFA, because if you eat PUFAs, you're going to get poofy, okay? Now, here's the bad news. It's not good, all right? Take a little breath. But it's going to be okay. Put my hand on your shoulder. It's going to be okay. PUFAs currently comprise 80% of the fats that we Americans consume, especially, do you remember the one that I really hate? Soybean oil. Ugh. So they are darn near impossible to avoid. I think there are some people that, you know, manage to do so, but I'm sorry, I do occasionally want to go out and go to a restaurant, and I got bad news for you there too one of the most known, expensive, you know, hoo-hoo-woo-woo restaurants in Napa Valley cooks in, yeah, poofy poofas. Um, all restaurants do. You can ask that your food be cooked in butter. That's certainly a good idea. You can bring your own olive oil. I got olive oil in my purse. Um, but you might not want to be that anal about it. You might just want to enjoy a meal. That's fine. So my advice to my clients is just don't Try not to bring it in your house, okay? Thankfully, these food marketer folks are required to label, as we talked about last week, the ingredients, and that includes what kind of um, fats are put in these foods. Um, so we need to remember these are faux fats. They're cheap. They're branded as heart healthy. They're trying to get you, but they are not. They are creating massive problems in our metabolic functioning. So we need to do everything we can do to avoid them. So key takeaway, we're going to switch to natural fats like butter, tallow, olive oil. There's lots of them. We're going to ditch the faux factory fats like canola, soybean, safflower. So what does this look like in your kitchen? Well, number one is real whole foods. Hopefully things that don't come in boxes make up the, uh, the sort of maximum or the, the, what am I trying to say? They make up what you're eating uh, most of the time. Um, so on your plate, what does this look like? Cook your eggs in butter. Put olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, on your veggies. You can try coconut milk or cream to thicken up a sauce. You ain't buying any more low-fat yogurt. <laughs> Don't do that. Enjoy full-fat dairy, cheeses, all that stuff. If you do dairy and the fatty fruits, they're all great. Tons of nourishment in there. And if you want more on this, um, Dr. Kate's first book that really got me interested in her work and, and frankly, in nourishing myself and, and doing a better job with real foods, that's called Deep Nutrition. 
She's got a newer book out called Fat Burn Fix. And if you want to nerd out on why these uh, hateful eight, as she calls them, are no bueno for you, read that. Um, and it's not a, it's not a tome. It's, uh, it's quite readable. So get your fats right, y'all. So next Tuesday, Transformation Tuesday here at Nourishment Mindset Podcast. I'm going to be responding to a listener, Megan. Hello, Megan from Oregon. Megan is curious about kid food and specifically how to encourage her children to make healthy choices and what that looks like on a plate, okay? And this hits home with me. I do have a chapter in my Nourishment Mindset book about kid food and all the BS surrounding that. As I tell my kid, anytime you've got to use a little character to promote your, your stuff, it's junk um, for the most part. It also hits home in a nerdier way for me because I moved four years ago and I found my senior year thesis from college. I was a psych major and a French major and my thesis was called Creating a Biopsychosocial Model. That's a mouthful. To treat childhood obesity. And I remember then back when you had to like go to the library and look at studies instead of just looking everything up on Google and PubMed. Um, being really just feeling dejected about the then, now over 20 years ago, goodness gracious, 25 years ago, the rates of childhood obesity. Well, I can tell you they haven't improved. Um, but we're going to talk about how to make that right next week. So Megan, thank you for um, posing that question and coming up with that idea. As I said last week, I welcome your ideas, your questions, you can hit me on Instagram at Nourishment Mindset. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. It's just Dixie L. Huey there. You can go to my website. My private practice is favorfat.com, and you can send me an email from there. So I love requests. Um, and I want to end on a positive note, because childhood obesity is decidedly negative. Um, the good news, y'all, this is fixable. Every nourishing mouthful is one step closer to elevated metabolic health. You have the power to do this. You don't have to be perfect. Health coaches are not perfect either, by the way. Shocker. Um, that's it. Boom. You got the keys. So get your fats right. You're going to heal yourself in your kitchen, not by a bunch of pills and supplements and all that. It's food. It's real, whole, naturally nourishing food. In Fat Veritas, and I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>